If I haven't had the privilege to meet you yet, my name is Eddie Cole, and I am on staff here at LifePoint Church. I am on the directional uh, leadership team with Pastor Daniel and Tammy, and uh, the leaders here that uh, often sit on the front row or down near the front. And uh, we, uh, we have the privilege of being able to serve together in this great church. It's great to see you this morning. I'm glad that everybody's here and uh, healthy and happy, I hope. And uh, we have uh, had a good summer so far, and we believe it's going to continue to just magnify the Lord. And uh, we're going to continue to grow as a church here at LifePoint Church. And so uh, it's good to have you here with us today. I, I not only serve on staff, but I also serve at LifePoint College. I, yeah, I've got some LifePoint College students. Uh, but uh, I am very thankful for that. I love LifePoint College. The big reason that I'm such a, a fan of LifePoint College after having been there since uh, earlier this year, actually started in January uh, as the academic dean, the reason is because LifePoint College is not just about giving academics. It's about training. It's about giving opportunities. So what we do is we not only teach people about the Bible, about church history and theology, we also teach leadership. And we teach about how to lead not only in the church, but leading at work, on the job, in home, wherever it is. We teach people to lead themselves, to lead teams, to lead departments, and lead organizations. And that's what we try to do. And I've been able to see some really cool things. I see a couple of faces here that I'm really happy to see. Uh, and I just know that when I saw them the first time a little over a year ago, I would never have guessed that they would be the people they are now. I've had a thing I've lived by for years, a little saying, and that is this, fruit don't lie. And when you see good fruit somewhere, you wanna get, get there and find out why, what's going on. And I see good fruit coming out of LifePoint College. So I praise God for the privilege of working there. Uh, we have an evening program, a daytime program, and we also have a summer leadership intensive, and uh, we have quite a few uh, students that are with us this summer. It, it's just a small group, but it's a mighty group, powerful group. And uh, I just want you to know, by the way, if you still have any interest in joining up with LifePoint College this year, uh, Jasmine Ward, who basically runs our, our admissions and, and marketing and all that kind of stuff, she basically almost runs the school with uh, Kyle Kramer, who's the uh, executive director for the school. Uh, basically, she's opened it up for one day. If anyone is interested in joining LifePoint College for this upcoming year, it's actually past uh, the, the registration date, but she's gonna open it up for today. And so if anybody has any interest in joining us for this coming school year, get in touch with Jasmine Ward at LifePoint College and she can help you get started. So that's my little shameless plug right off the bat. I would love to see some of you come and join us at LifePoint College. We'll have a blast and we'll grow together, all right? Uh, so that's what I do at LifePoint College, and I want to say thanks to Pastor Daniel and Tammy Floyd. Uh, you know, it's a big step of faith to start a college. I mean, out of a local church, it's, it's a rare thing that that happens. There's over 300,000 church, 300, churches in America. I think there's about 200 of them that do what we're doing here. There aren't many. It's a big step of faith. It's a high commitment, and they stepped out in faith. They've made the commitment, and so I thank them. I honor them for what they've done. God's not only used them here at LifePoint Church, but he's using them by extension through LifePoint College, so I'm very grateful for them. How many of you all miss the Floyds? 
I miss the Floyds. Uh, not much further now is all I can say. They will be back soon, and they will not only look even prettier with a little bit more of a tan, I would imagine, but they're going to be deeper. They're going to have their hearts and their minds refreshed and renewed. I was a pastor in New York for 13 years, and I had a sabbatical during that time period, and I got to tell you, when I came back, I'm confident that I was a better pastor. The well that I could draw from was deeper. The resources were better. And I'm, I'm very grateful for LifePoint Church giving them the blessing to do that. And uh, it's a good thing. There's no bad thing happening. It's a good thing that they're doing it. Looking forward to seeing them. Uh, but uh, they will be back here before too long. I promise you that. With that being said, we've had some great teaching this summer. Some great teaching and preaching. Um, last couple of weeks specifically we've been in this series called change your world change your world maybe not the world but change your world and your world is what you are most interested in I'm sure just like I am and we've been having some wonderful teachers we had John Maxwell who's the Dean of leadership period not just in America around the world he's the Dean of leadership dr. John Maxwell talked to us about being salt and light in our community, salt and light, so that we could shine brightly for Jesus. He also uh, kind of set up for the next week, because he was talking about adding value. Dino Rizzo, Pastor Dino was with us last week. How many of you were here last week and loved Pastor Dino? Whether you were here at Fred or you're at one of our campuses uh, or at home watching, either way, you gotta love Pastor Dino Rizzo. He is the most encouraging pastor I think I've ever heard preach. He could talk about anything for about five minutes and I would just feel stronger when he finished. I know I'm gonna laugh and I'm gonna love Jesus a little bit more every time he speaks. And I knew he was specially anointed last week when he got up here and said, if you go buy yourself a sausage biscuit in the morning, he said, go ahead and buy two. You can eat one, somebody else may want the other one. But if not, you, now you have two. My only complaint was, is why don't you go ahead and add some egg on top of that sausage biscuit? And now you've got the protein in there that you need. So I love Pastor Dino. Uh, I love him and uh, learn a lot from him. He talked about generosity and he talked about serving. Nobody is better equipped to do that than the guy that kind of really pioneered what we call Serve Weekend, not only here, but around the country. So we've been blessed with him. Now today, I wanna to talk with you about something that's very near and dear to my heart. I, I was saved as a young adult. I met Jesus in a, in a church in East Tennessee. And in the foundation of my faith, I was taught by older believers how to know God at a deeper level through prayer. I had some older mentors. I didn't know what they were doing. They said, hey, Eddie, you wanna go, uh, go downstairs with us? We're gonna go pray. I was like, okay. So we went downstairs, it was just two floors. We, we had a basement and then we had the main sanctuary floor. We went downstairs and, and they took me down there and for about 45 minutes straight, I prayed with these men who knew God. They prayed out loud. And our style of praying back then may be weird to some of you, but it was everybody praying out loud, loud, all together. Now some people have asked the pastor before, they were like, well, I don't understand when everybody prays out loud, I can't really hear them, I can't understand. And my pastor just looked very nicely at the, at the person that said it, and he said, that's okay, they're not talking to you. They were praying. 
I went downstairs and, and I went with them where we were praying and I got to see something that changed me and my approach to walking with Jesus for the rest of my life. They would walk around, they would get on their knees, they would get on their face and they would pray and they would pray for that service that was going on upstairs. Sometimes we would pray till we would hear the music start upstairs and then you could hear the, the sound of the floor creaking as people are walking, responding to an old school altar call. And man, I gotta tell you, that just cut my teeth on the idea that prayer is powerful. And this has to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. Now, I had no idea I was gonna go into ministry then, but I gotta be honest with you, I'm so grateful that I had that teaching from the very outset. When I went to New York, Jessica and I, my wife, by the way, my better half, I'm becoming quickly known around here as the singer's husband, Jessica's husband. She's one of the worship leaders here, kind of uh, not, not on paid staff, but she leads worship. She sings kind of like C.C. Winans. And so she just gets up here and she leads and it's like, oh, we're glad to have you. We're really glad to have her. And so that's been my lot for the last 25 years. And all I say is, I agree. I believe that with all my heart. But she and I had the privilege of serving about 15, 20, it was about 20 minutes, depending on traffic, from the Brooklyn Tabernacle. We used to go to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. That was kind of our home away from home while we were in New York. And I just want you to know that'll change you when you get in that environment and you get around people that know how to go to God in prayer. It will change you. It will change you. And so that's what I want to talk with you about today is prayer. I'm going to read a passage of scripture with you as we start. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. That's pretty awful, isn't it? James was the pastor of the church. He was the one most known as the pastor anyway. Peter's kind of like a, he's a leader. He's probably the most well-known leader, but James was really the pastor. Everybody pretty much knew that. But when King Herod saw that this, this action of killing James, when this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. But watch this. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I wanna talk with you about changing your world through prayer. Changing your world through prayer. Because I believe that there is no greater work that we have in the church than prayer. We obey, we act, we work. But as I've heard one person say, you're working as if it all depends on you, but you're praying because in fact, it all depends on God. It's not either or, you're doing both. But you and I, if we're going to change our world, we have to be praying. Let's commit to praying. That's my intent today is to encourage your heart to be someone who changes your world through prayer. So we've read this passage of scripture Starting in Acts chapter 12, you see the scene. 
and persecution is rising. King Herod, he's already killed one of the leaders. Now he's about to go after another one. He's already got him arrested, but the church is praying. Now, before I get on with that, I need to do a couple of things, teach a couple of things anyway, before I go further, because what I don't want to do is mislead some people regarding the Christian life or regarding how God answers prayers. There's a lot of confusion in the world about prayer. And there are a lot of discouraged people because they pray and they don't get what they want. And they have this idea that if they just say a prayer, that God's just supposed to do what they ask him for. But that's not always the case. God moves according to his plan. Now, he hears and listens to our prayers, but I want to teach you a little bit about prayer because there are different things we need to know about prayer as, a, as kind of a concept, as a discipline, as a practice, before we're going to be able to appreciate what happens in Acts chapter 12. Are you with me so far? So here's what I want to do. I want to bring this message. I'm going to base it on three main points. Number one, I want to talk to you about the reason for prayer in Acts chapter 12 and in our own lives. And then we're going to transition from there, and we're going to talk about the reach of prayer, the reach of prayer being to God. And then finally, we're going to close it out by, by looking at the result of prayer. So let's begin with the reason for prayer. Before I really dive into that, again, let me teach you just a little bit about prayer, because I think these things are really going to help you. The reason for prayer is that we want to know God, and we want to have his help. Now that's where we're going, but in order to get there, follow along with me because I don't want you to think we only pray when we have a need. We actually are told in other parts of the scripture to pray always. That's conversational prayer. You ought to always, and I ought to always be praying, whether I'm washing dishes, mowing the lawn, driving my car, whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm supposed to be in prayer, conversational prayer. Out loud prayer and quiet prayer, I'm always in conversation with God. But let me show you just a few types of prayer that are given to us in the scriptures. Here we go. Adoration. Adoration is where we're thanking God just for being who he is. We just thank him for who he is. Not just what he does, but the simple fact that he's God and he's revealed himself to us. Little old me, little old you, if you have a Bible and you have a knowledge of God, you have enough to go on to adore him, to praise him just for who he is. And that's what adoration is. Beyond that, you have the, the type of prayer where you were requesting, making requests to the Lord to meet your needs. Now, how many of you have an old King James version of the Bible or grew up around that? That would be called supplication. I didn't put supplication, even though it would have uh, been good for the outline right there, adoration, supplication. The reason I didn't is because who in the world knows what supplication is? So that's why I just put it here, request to meet our needs. Request to meet our needs. Now, here's what I want you to see. As we go through this outline, you're going to see that not all of these are requests, but some of them are. Two are not, three are. The third thing I want you to see is that we not only make requests or supplication to meet our own needs, 
We also intercede for others. This is when we're praying for loved ones. This is when we're praying for missionaries. This is when we're praying for pastor. I hope we're all praying for our pastors while they're on sabbatical. This is when we pray for other people who have needs. This is when we pray for those who are sick or addicted or those who don't know Christ yet. We're lifting them up to the Lord. Fourth type of prayer that we, that we pray, and this is the second one where I was saying it's not a request, it's just thanksgiving. It's when you take the time when God answers your prayer to stop and say, thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but it takes a real discipline to say, God, you have blessed me abundantly. And I don't want to walk around like a spoiled, entitled brat. I want to be thankful. And we need to take the time to meet alone with God and to give him thanks. And the fifth kind of prayer that is something that's actually going on in Acts chapter 12 also is spiritual warfare. I believe there's some stuff going on. The enemy does not like in Acts chapter 12 that the church of Jesus is being built. It is expanding. Lives are being changed. It is growing quickly. And with that being said, of course, the enemy, anytime God's at work, the enemy's not just going to sit back and let that happen without a fight. There's spiritual warfare. Now, with that being said, let me just make a a couple of thoughts here. I'm going to transition back to our passage. The reason for prayer in this passage and in our own lives is because we want to get to know God and we want to receive his help. Now, in prayer, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, we're going to God with requests, but we're going with all kinds of other things. It's when you spend time with God that you get to know him. And it's very important that you do get to know him. I'm going to help you do that in just a couple of minutes. But right now, I just want to say we're going to him and we're spending time with him in prayer because we need to know that not everything in life, just because we become Christians, is going to be easy. Does everybody already know that? He doesn't always answer yes either, does he? As a matter of fact, there are three different ways. God always answers our prayers. He answers it either yes. How many of you like the yes answer? And now, Lord. Yes, but he also answers no sometimes. A couple of reasons that he'll answer no. Sometimes he'll answer no because we're just asking for the wrong thing. And, and you know what? The truth is, is that, of course, we're going to ask for the wrong thing. We can't see what's going to happen today at 1 o'clock. He knows what's going to happen at 1,000 years from now. So the idea that I'm going to know exactly what to ask for all the time, sometimes God's going to say, no, you're just wrong. Sometimes I'm going to ask for selfish needs, not for his glory. And he'll give me a no then. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Well, I get good with that over time. And sometimes God says no because he's just not ready to give it to you yet. And that leads you to the third response that God gives when we're praying, and that is wait. And whenever God has an answer for you that's on the way, here's what he always says in between the time you've requested and the time that the answer comes for you. It's my grace is sufficient. He never just says no without an answer. He will always say whatever it is, my plan is perfect and my grace is sufficient. Church, hold on to that. 
There are a lot of people that have left church because they felt like God wasn't hearing them. God wasn't answering their prayers. I want you to know God hears you. God hears every prayer that you pray. God hears every request that you have in your heart. You just might not have the answer you're looking for yet. But if you don't have the answer, it still doesn't mean you should give up. And certainly don't back away. It just means you need to trust him a little bit more. Now watch this. When, we're, when I was showing you the passage just a minute ago, Acts chapter 12, uh, I, I landed somewhere and it talked about where they, were, where they were praying. They were praying earnestly and they were praying earnestly because life is difficult. They're in pain. The people there are struggling. Their pastor has been killed. Now one of their staff members is up next and they're scared. What does this mean for all of them? Well, at the very least, it's indicative that life is tough and it's not gonna be easy for them as believers. It may even get a little bit worse. So here's what we need to know. Life, even for believers, involves suffering. For I consider that the sufferings, Paul writes in Romans 8, 18, of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. He says this, there are sufferings in this present time. Here's another passage I want you to look at. I don't really like this passage because I almost never live up to it. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. There are multitudes of kind of trials that come at you. Temptations, physical attacks, cultural things that just weigh on you. There are all kinds of attacks and trials that come your way. And James acknowledges that what he's trying to get us to do is to say, God, we know that you are with us even in the trial. You are with us, God, even in the trial. So let me just reiterate it one more time because I am Captain Obvious this morning. The reason for prayer is because we need to get to know God. We need to spend time with him. And we need his grace and help to make it through. Now let me move on to the second part of the message. The second part of the message goes to the reach of prayer. Simple, to the point. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. First of all, let me, let me show you earnest prayer. What that means by earnest prayer, it means that they were stretching all of their muscles in prayer. When it says that they're praying fervently in some translations, it means that they're giving it all that they've got. And as they're praying, they're praying to God. Now, again, that may sound like so obvious, but I need to say it because we need to have the perspective that when we're praying, we're talking to sovereign God. We're talking to the God who created this world. I don't know about you, but I, 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 as a little toddler and a child, my mom used to take us to church and we used to sing this song, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. That's good theology. 
You could say, the Bible would say, he upholds this world and all that he's created by the word of his power. So I guess you may not say it's in his hands, but I like it anyway. It's still good theology. What it means is he is in control. You see, if you look at the passage of scripture, you could come under the, the illusion that Herod, the king, is in control. You could think Satan is in control. You could think those guards have Peter's life in their hands. But the truth is, God is still God. And they're talking to God who has the whole world in his hands. And on top of that, you can take that and you can transfer that theology that says, my God is still sovereign. And you could transfer that and you could put it to the highest realms of theology. I have a philosopher friend sitting here on the front row. He is a real philosopher, theologian. Abraham Kuyper is a name that he knows. Maybe some of you know. Abraham Kuyper was an academic, a theologian, a scholar. He was the president for Free University of Amsterdam. And when he dedicated the Free University of Amsterdam, he said this. He said, there is not one square inch over the whole domain whole domain of human existence whereby God does not cry, mine. Is that powerful? Now that's good theology, isn't it? He's got the whole world in his hand, says the, the toddler, but the theologian says, it's all mine. God is in control, and it's really important that you and I, when we bow our knees, when we go before the Lord in prayer, it's really important that we realize that we're not doing anything other than talking to that God. He's a sovereign God who sits securely upon his throne. He will never step off of his throne. He will never yield control. He will never meet a wall that he can't get over. He'll never find a door that'll keep him out. He'll never find a chain he can't break. He'll never find some guards he can't defeat. He's never gonna find a prisoner anywhere in the world that he can't get to. You need to know that when you're talking to God, you're not talking to your mom. You're not talking to your dad. You're not talking to your pastor. You're not talking to an attorney. You're not even talking to the greatest theologian in the world. You're talking to God. And it's really important that when you talk, you get yourself to the point that you remember this is who he is and this is who you are talking to. That's him. He is your father. He loves you. So here's what I want to do. I want to show you some verses. He cares for you. Psalm 34 verse 15. Watch this now. This is your God. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Let me share something with you. You may be sitting here saying, well, I don't know if I'm the righteous. <laughs> I don't feel righteous always. Anybody besides me like that? Don't feel righteous. That's almost every day. I don't wake up saying, good morning, Lord. I wake up saying, good Lord, it's morning again. <laughs> I'm not stepping out of my bed going, amen, hallelujah. I'm getting out saying, dear Lord, my feet, what happened? Plantar fasciitis, what happened? Oh, Lord, that's why I'm wearing my fancy Air Maxes up here today. 
Yeah, it's not style, it's age. That's what that is. <laughs> what I want you to know is, I don't even know how I went, the righteous. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta remind yourself of who you, <laughs> you don't feel righteous. You don't feel righteous, but you, you need to know that if you've placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When you place your faith in Jesus, the Son of God, to be your Savior, you became one with Jesus. And when you became one with Jesus, you inherited his righteousness. And when God looks at you, he doesn't look, you, look at you and see a pathetic little broken sinner. He sees you robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So here's what you need to know. You are the righteous one that I was just pointed at there a minute ago. I'll bring it back up. I'm new to this screen. Boom, here we are. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Brothers and sisters in the faith, that's you. That's you. Here's another one for you. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Here's another one for you. Here's instruction from Jesus. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. I just wanted to pause right there on purpose, who is unseen. You know what Jesus is doing right there? Master teacher. Nothing is without purpose. He's acknowledging to you and to me, you're not gonna see this God you're praying to. But he sees you. Y'all hear me? You don't see him, but he is Elroy. He sees you. I don't care where you are and what your need is, he sees you. He sees you in your closet when your heart's broken. He sees you when nobody else sees you. He's listening to you when nobody else is listening to you. When you don't have a friend, when you don't have a partner, when your spouse isn't there with you, when, when you just feel like you're just alone, I just want you to know you're not. Your father who sees what is done in secret, Jesus says he will reward you. Jesus says, which of you fathers, speaking to imperfect people like me, he says, which of you, if your son asks for a fish, going to give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, you're going to give him a scorpion? Of course not. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What is it that you need? Can I just give you an encouraging word? Whatever your need is, if you didn't get a quick yes, and you're sitting in a no, hoping and hoping and hoping that it's just a wait, I just want you to know, just want you to know, when you look at this passage of scripture, you can know this. God's not giving you a no without giving you help. What you can know is that you are not alone, not only because he's in heaven, but because you have the Holy Spirit with you. He is with you. Now, here's my encouragement to you. My encouragement to you 
is to pray until you know that the Holy Spirit is with you. Pray until it's you and God. How many of you, if you would be honest, would be just like me and say, sometimes it takes me five, 10 minutes of talking to God before I'm really praying? Yeah. So you like you turn your phone off, you turn the notifications off, you turn everything off, but you still, it takes you a while to really pray before you're really connecting with the Lord. Anybody easily distracted? In prayer even, I mean, you, you, like those first couple of minutes you're praying, next thing you know, you're thinking about lunch. Squirrel, you know, like you, you're just easily distracted. I distract myself. You distract me. So do you. I'm distracted all over the place. You're distracted all over the place. The average American attention span is like seven seconds now. So the point in bringing all of this up is to say this, you've got to keep praying and you have to learn to pray to the point to where you don't need it, just a, a yes or, or something tangible. You just need to know that God in the person of the Holy Spirit is with you. Because what you need more than anything else is the Lord himself. And if you're asking him for something, you may not get that something you're asking for, but you have been given already that someone that you need more than anything else. Because everything you need, God already has. In the Holy Spirit, he will give you strength. He will give you faith. He will give you freedom. He will give you perseverance. What is it you need? Encouragement? He's got it. What is it you need? Right there is the answer. It's in the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me wrap it up by, by, by summarizing that point to say that the reach of prayer is the ear and the heart of God. So now we've talked about the, the reason for prayer. We talked about needing to have our prayers answered, but also to get to know God. Another thing that we talked about just now is that, that we need to know that we're praying to God and that we're getting to the ear and the heart of God. Here's the last thing I want to close with, the result of prayer. The result of prayer specifically here, this is a great story. Are y'all still with me? Say amen if you're with me. All right. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. So Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. Don't you love the humanity in the Bible? Peter thinks he's seeing a vision. He's not even believing this is real. They passed the first and the second guards. They came to the iron gate leading to the city. And the iron gate opened for them by itself. And then they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself. So Peter woke up. He realizes this is no vision. God actually answered my prayer. Isn't it great to know that God surprises us sometimes by answering our, answering our prayers in a way beyond what we even asked for? Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel 
and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And Peter knocked at the door. He knocked at the door of the outer entrance, and then a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, I love this, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. And of course, they say to her, you're out of your mind. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw Peter. They were astonished. Peter mentioned with motion with his hand for them to be quiet, and he described how the Lord brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Such a powerful story. I wish I could spend a little more time just kind of drawing out some of the stuff. There's good funny stuff in there, really funny stuff. I would love to meet Rhoda. Wouldn't you like to meet Rhoda? A little bit airhead maybe, a little airhead going on there. And then the rest of them, they're like, you're out of your mind. That's why I say she had, she had to kind of be known. I mean, that's okay, Rhoda. But then you, you, you see in here that they're all shocked. They're all shocked. Because God answered their prayers. God made moves that they couldn't make happen on their own. God penetrated that prison and brought Peter out. God set him free. God brought them the miracle. God brought them the yes that they were looking for. And man, that stoked their fires. The fires in their heart, no doubt. Because after this, I want you to know what ended up happening. The church just kept growing. The faith of the believers in there, they were stronger. I want you to know that God was glorified through it. If you keep on reading the story, you'll find that because of his coming against God, Herod not only lost that battle, but ultimately later on, chapter 12, God took Herod out of the picture. Ultimately, there's all kinds of good stuff in here. But I need to bring this home with you right now. Here's what I want to bring it home. You see, sometimes God lets some painful stuff come into your life and to my life because he is operating according to a bigger plan. And sometimes he's doing this, he's allowing this, whatever the case may be, because he's got something better in mind for you and he's got something better in mind down the road for others. Think about Jesus. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prays three times the night that he's betrayed, three times, Father, if it would be your will, let this cup pass from me. He prayed that three times. He prayed with such stress and energy that it says that he sweated like great drops of blood. Are y'all with me? Jesus is praying, saying, God, Father, is there another way we can accomplish redemption? But at the end of this, and I'm very grateful for this, Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so Jesus hangs on a cross on that Friday afternoon and he suffers and he dies. He dies not for anything he did, but for the sins of the world. He died for Eddie Cole. He died for you. He died for the sins of the entire world. He died for everyone who would eventually 
call out his name in faith. He paid the penalty for their sin. This was the plan of God, is that his own son would die. Praise God, three days later, he was risen from the grave. We're very grateful that now when we pray, we believe he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And we pray right now, believing that even now he takes our weak prayers and he goes to the Father and presents them on our behalf. We believe that he is the great high priest for us. He's presented his own blood sacrifice so that you and I won't have to present our blood. Our blood won't be required because Jesus presented his. But God allowed this. God didn't just allow it. God designed this for his glory and for the good of everyone involved. I want you to know the reason I'm sharing that with you is because some of you, you're like, I'm in a moment right now in my life where I can make no sense out of, out of this at all. How can anything good come out of this? My heart is broken. I prayed this would happen and this is what happened. I've been betrayed and this is how it's turned out. Some of you have been praying for someone that's addicted and you're like, dear God, I've believed in you. I know you can, and yet it's still not happened. You're wondering why this happened and I have no answers for you. But I do know this, God sometimes will allow things that he hates in order to accomplish something that he loves. And the call to you today is to trust him. Trust him entirely and to pray to him and to keep praying to him and don't you dare give up. For some of you, I believe that God wants me to tell you with confidence, your yes is on the way. You've got your own Peter story. You've got someone you're interceding for that is in a prison, that's in bondage, that's in chains, and they've been stuck there for a long time. And I believe with all of my heart, God wants me to tell you, keep praying and don't you dare give up. Get up at 2 a.m. and lift your voice to the Lord. Raise your hands and praise to God. Don't you dare give up. Because God's yes is coming. That deliverance is going to happen. His muscle from the sovereign God of the universe will be flexed. Satan will be defeated. Every demon will have to flee in that situation. And what you're praying for is going to happen. But don't give up. So the purpose of this message today is to say this. For some of you, it's time to recommit your life to prayer. Believers, if your bones are dry, you need revival, the answer, pray. Pray. Psalm 32, read it on your own. Let me, let me move on to another little invitation I have for you. For those of you that are waiting on something, pray. <laughs> Keep praying. How many of y'all know I got a third one? The answer is gonna be the same. 21 days of prayers coming up in August. You know what I'm gonna say to do? Pray. Come and pray with us. I wanna be a part of a church that sees God move. I wanna see supernatural stuff happen. And I can tell you this, we can plan, we can work, but we can do all that in the natural. I wanna see supernatural stuff happen. And the supernatural stuff never happens because of natural plans or natural power. Supernatural stuff only happens because of God. So come and pray. 21 days of prayer coming up in August. And lastly, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, here's my invitation to you today. Pray. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? 
If you've never given your heart to Jesus today, you've never turned from sin, turned from religion, turned from stuff you need to turn from and placed all of your faith and all of your hope in Jesus, would you pray this with me right now and know this, he is here for you. He wants to save you. He wants to come into your life. He sent me to preach the gospel of good news, salvation to you. Pray this with me if you want to give your heart to Christ. Say, dear Jesus, everyone join with me. Let's do this so the sake of those who pray don't have to pray it alone. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died in my place. I believe that you rose again. You are God, my Savior. Please forgive me. Come into my heart and help me to live for you from this point on. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me to pray. Let me see your glory and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together and let's praise the Lord. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.